You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon Podcast. What's up, everybody? How's everybody doing today? You guys doing good? Good. Um, I just want to take a brief moment and let you guys know about something that happened this weekend. Uh, we had our men's retreat, our very first men's retreat. We had over 82 guys, or we had 82 guys, which is something to celebrate. So can we just take a moment, celebrate that for a second? Uh, they actually had the opportunity to join us first service online, and so we got to uh, stream that out there. But it was a great time. We got to throw axes, uh, ride mountain bikes, hang out, do all sorts of crazy games and whatnot, eat beef jerky, things that guys do or whatever. Um, but it, I'm not going to lie to you. If you missed it, like you missed out. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to joke about that. Like you missed a great opportunity, but there's always next year. And so we would encourage you to get signed up for that next year. Um, however, for the rest of you guys, if you're new here, we just want to go ahead and say welcome. Uh, we're so glad that you decided to join us, whether you saw our street signs, whether you found us online, or hopefully a friend invited you here. I don't know if anybody has done this yet, and so let me introduce myself. Uh, my name is Josiah Weiss. I have the opportunity to be one of the pastors here, and I would love to get to meet you afterward, to know your name, to see your face. We're so glad that you joined us this morning. Uh, but you came to a good week, uh, because this week we're starting this brand new series called The Gospel, where we uh, want to take a, a deeper look at the gospel. And all the gospel means is just uh, those two words, they just mean the good news. And we're super excited about this series, and I don't know how those words hit you, uh, the gospel, but my guess is that you sit in one of three seats when you hear those words, that some of us in this room, when we hear the words, the gospel, that we've been ignorant of it. And I don't say that to demean anybody or anything like that, but the truth is that some of us don't have a clear understanding of what the gospel is, that we've had bits and pieces along the way. But if I were to ask you what the gospel is, you don't know if you could cl clearly communicate that. And if that's you this morning, uh, we hope that by the end of the series that we can clearly communicate the gospel to you, that you'd be able to communicate it with other people as well. Uh, but we also want to give you an opportunity to respond to it. And that's why at the end of the series, in two weeks, we're going to have what we call a baptism Sunday. And we've done this before in the past, but all this is is an opportunity for you to say yes to Jesus and respond to this gospel that you're hearing specifically through baptism. And so some of us have been ignorant of it, uh, but others of us, whenever we hear the gospel, we don't have very positive thoughts about it. Uh, actually, I would say we have some pretty negative thoughts about it that we have been uh, hurt by it, that when it comes to the gospel and it comes to those words, there's people in our lives, whether it was Christians, whether it was the church, that they've hurt us. They've said some things, that they've done some things, and they did it all under the banner of the gospel. And in that, they ended up hurting you or hurting your family. And if that's you this morning, first, I just want to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that's been your experience with the church. I'm sorry that that's been your experience with Christianity, but also that I'm proud of you. Uh, the fact that you're here today is a big deal, that you would step back into a place that has caused a lot of damage in your life. That's not something to overlook, and we don't want to do that. But if that's you, if you've been hurt by it, our goal for this series for you is that we can help clearly communicate what the gospel is, but maybe for you more importantly, what the gospel is not. Now, by the end of the series, you may have found some healing from some of the past wounds that the church or other Christians have caused. Because some of us were ignorant of it, some of us have been hurt by it, but a grand majority of us have been silent with it. 
that when it comes to the gospel, like we've known Jesus for a long time. Like we get it. We understand the gospel. We can communicate it. Uh, but when it comes to the number of people that we've actually told the gospel to, we could count those on one hand if we could you know, count those at all. And I would point that to the fact that for most of us, we don't have a clear, concise way to communicate the gospel. But we believe as a church that this is super important, that this is something that we want to be true about our church. Uh, Paul, he says it like this, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him. Guys, that's our job to make sure people have heard about him. And that's the vision behind this series that we call the gospel, that we don't want to be a church that just studies the gospel, that we don't want to be a church that just shows the gospel. We want to be a church that, that is very intentional about sharing the gospel with everybody that we meet, that you use the influence, you leverage the influence that you all have, because you're going to be able to talk to your friend way better than any of us could. And we want to empower you guys to be able to share the gospel with everybody that you come in contact with. And we want that for you. We want that for our student ministry, the, the students I get to hang out with. But we also want that for our kids. And that's why as a part of the Next Gen team here at Trace, we've decided that this needs to be a priority for our kids. That every fifth grader that graduates from Trace Kids and moves to Trace students needs to be able to know how to clearly communicate the gospel in a concise way. And so that's what they're doing over the next three weeks. They're learning how to do that. Our fourth and fifth graders are going through a very similar illustration that we're going to teach you guys in order that they can come out of that able to teach the gospel to other people. And so whether you've uh, been ignorant of it, whether you've been hurt by it or whether you've been silent with it, let me say this, I'm glad you're here today. And I think that this series is going to have a huge impact on your life personally and potentially on the lives of the people in your family. And that being the case, we would highly encourage you not just to come back uh, for, or not just to come to this week today, but to come back or tune in online for all three weeks of this series called The Gospel. And at this point, you're probably wondering two questions. Why is there this gigantic, ugly whiteboard on the stage? And why did we hand you guys a card uh, as you guys came in with some shapes and some scribbles on the back? Okay, those are great questions. I'm very glad you asked me. It actually leads me to my next point. It makes this a little easier, so thank you. Um, but let me answer it by saying this. In this world, there's two types of people. There's people that tell stories like this. And in my marriage, this is probably me, that there's a start, there's an end uh, to the story that you want to get from point A to point B. My wife would tell you that B stands for boring. This is the boring way uh, to tell stories. And so there's people like me that tell stories like this. And then there's people, other people like my wife that are wrong. I'm just kidding. But that tells stories like this. And you guys know these kinds of people that share stories like this, for instance, maybe you want to tell a story about something funny that happened at work. So where do you start at? Start a story, right? No, you start with your boss's birth because somehow that makes sense. And it's, it's for context. And so you start talking about that. But then that reminds you that one of your best friends, they just had a baby and they named him Jackson with an X. And so you want to show everybody this baby. And so you pull out your Instagram. And even though they're only six days old, they have their own Instagram. And so you're showing everybody. And then you remember, oh, yeah, I was telling a story. So you go back to the story and you start sharing all these meaningless details, you know, the, the temperature outside, you know, the color of somebody's shirt, what everybody had for lunch that day. And people start to wonder, is this story actually going anywhere? And you start to have the same thought. Is this story 
going anywhere, and then you remember the punchline. And so you wrap all the story up and you deliver the punchline and nobody laughs. Because at this point, the story is so complex, so convoluted, it's hard to understand. And so you apologize and you wrap it up and you say something along the lines of, oh, you had to be there. And guys, listen to me. Any story that ends with you had to be there is not one worth telling. And so you apologize and you say, I'm sorry for taking your time. And then uh, you end up promising yourself that you're never going to speak in public again. And that's how stories can sometimes go. And we've all heard a story like this. Some of you guys have even told a story like this, like don't nudge each other, like this is a safe space, okay? Don't, don't do that. But we've heard stories like this before. But the sad thing is a lot of times we treat the gospel like this. When it wasn't made to look like this, it was made to look like this. To have a clear beginning, a clear middle, a clear ending, to be a very clear story. But somehow when we start talking about it, we bring in all these pointless details. We add in all these different things to the story, and it ends up looking more like this. And we get to the end of the gospel, and we start to apologize for talking about something that is good. And we silently promise ourselves that we're never going to do that again, right? Guys, that's exactly why we have a whiteboard today. It's exactly why we gave you these cards. Because we want to empower you. We want to equip you with a way to share the gospel that is very clear, very concise, that we believe this will help you. And so on one side, you're going to see two shapes. And that's the side that we're going to use to teach you this illustration. That's the side that we want to use uh, to talk about the gospel. And so feel free, as I draw on the board today, feel free to follow along with us. But then on the back side, you're going to see five, not 55, not 105, just five statements that we believe sum up the gospel pretty well. That by the end of this, we think that you guys will be empowered to be able to explain the gospel to someone else because we want to be a church that doesn't just study the gospel. We don't want to be a church that just shows the gospel. We want to be a church that shares the gospel. And so today we're going to start that story. Today we're going to start the gospel and we're going to start uh, at the beginning where all stories should start. And today our story begins with one character, and that character's name, you guys have probably heard of this guy, his name is God, that if you were to open up your Bibles, if you were to go to the first book of the Bible, if you were to turn on your phones to Genesis chapter 1, in Genesis 1-1, it says this, in the beginning God, here's our first character, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, that our character is not introduced in the first book, but the first four words of the Bible, and guys, there's a lot of different speculations about who this guy, who God is. And we see here that he wasn't just a part of the story, but that he actually initiated the story. That he wasn't just a character in it, but the author of it. And like I said, there's a lot of speculations about who this guy is. So very quickly, let's look at that question real quick. Who is God? And very quickly, I just want to give you five key characteristics of God and who he is that we find in the pages of Scripture. And the very first one is this, that God is perfect. God is perfect. Not only is his will perfect, not only is his actions perfect, but God in and of himself is the standard of perfection in this world. He's the only thing that we see as perfect. That Jesus in Matthew 5, he urges us towards this completeness. He says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father, as God it's perfect. See, God is perfect, but not only is God perfect, 
God is also truth. God is truth, and you can write these down. And not only does God tell the truth, not only does God speak the truth, not only is God honest, but God in and of himself is truth. That all truth comes from God. In the Old Covenant, you'll see this title, that he is the God of truth. That's a possessive title. God owns all truth. You have to understand that God owns all truth, but not only is God truth, God is also grace. That would be a great church name, am I right? Truth and grace. No, I'm just kidding. But grace, God is a gracious God. In Psalm 116.5, it says that our God, this God right here, is a gracious and righteous God, that his heart is full of compassion, that he is looking for every opportunity to be full of grace for other people. And guys, for what it's worth, that's why as a church we pursue these things. If you didn't know this, the name Trace, we took the word truth and we took the word grace and we threw them together, truth and grace. Trace, that's why we pursue this, not just because it's a good thing to do, but because it's a part of who God is, that we believe that's a key part of who God is, that God is a gracious God, but God is also just, that not only is what he does just, that God is a fair God. That might be hard for some of us to wrap our minds around that God is not just a just God, but he is the standard of justice in this world. God is a just God, and maybe the most important is this one right here. God is love. God is love. And some of you might need to hear that this morning, that God is a loving God. And it's part of who he is, and our culture tries to define that word in so many different ways. And so let me give you a very simple, very clear definition of love. Love is God, because love is perfect. Love is true. Love is gracious. Love is just. And guys, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Why? Because it's a part of who he is, that God is a loving God. And so who is God? God is perfect. God is truth. God is grace. God is just. God is love. And we're introduced to this character called God within the first four words of the Bible. In Genesis 1, it says, God created the heavens and the earth. And when it comes to this creation, I wish we had more time to unpack it. But when it comes to this creation, there's just one statement I want you to know. And it's written on the back of your cards, and it's this statement right here. In the beginning, God created everything to be perfect. And that we were with God. That God, when he created everything, he created everything to be perfect. Specifically, I would tell you that he created us to be perfect. That he created us to be perfect. That when he finished all of his creation, he looked at it all, and then he said this in Genesis 1.27. So God created mankind in his own image. That's an important word. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. That we were not haphazardly thrown and tossed together that man and woman were created in the image of God. And guys, that word image in Hebrew, it's the word for shadow, that we were created to be God's shadow, that all these things that were true about God were true about us, that he created us to be perfect without blemish, without sickness or illness or death, to not grow old, to not be weak. Guys, that we spoke the truth, that we were honest, that we pursued what was true, that we were gracious, 
and we looked for every opportunity to provide grace to other people, that we were just, that we knew what justice was, that there is an internal compass of morality in us, that when something is wrong, when something is not just, we know it, that God created us to love people above all else. And we were with God, that God, he created everything to be perfect, but that he designed us to look exactly like him, that Adam and Eve were created to be perfect, that life for Adam and Eve was perfect. I need you to know that, that everything was going as planned because God, he created us. He created Adam and Eve to be perfect, and we were with God. We enjoyed time with God. Scripture says that we walked through the garden with him in the cool of the evening. Imagine what it would be like to eat food with the guy who created it. Like, what would that taste like? Like, would God laugh at dad jokes and things like that? I don't know. What would that laugh sound like? Guys, we were with God, and we enjoyed time with him. But he did give one rule. He said, look, there's a tree in the middle of the garden. You can eat from anything else, but don't eat from that one. Don't eat from that tree. And guys, like, we didn't need, Adam and Eve, they didn't need to eat from that tree anyway. It was like all-you-could-eat buffet every day of the week, like, Guy's paradise right there, okay? They didn't need to eat from that tree, but God gave them that rule. Don't eat from that tree. And for a time, Adam and Eve, they obeyed that. And they enjoyed time with God, and they lived their lives. And I wish, guys, I wish that's where the story ended. I wish that was it. I wish that were the good news. I wish that were the gospel that I got to share with you, is that God created everything to be perfect, and we were with God, and that's how it is today. But you guys know this to be true, that oftentimes good news, that oftentimes the gospel only makes sense in light of the bad news, that oftentimes the good news only makes sense in light of the bad news. And so we had it all. Like we had everything. We were living in paradise. Things were going well, but God gave Adam and Eve one rule, right? Don't eat from that tree. And although Adam and Eve, they looked pretty much like God in all these areas, this thought started to creep into Eve's mind that she could be better than God, that if she ate this fruit, that it would make her better than God. And so what does she do? Just like a little kid, right? When you say, uh, hey, don't eat that cookie because it'll spoil your dinner. What do they do? You know, they wait patiently and they eat their meal and uh, they finish their meal and they ask very politely for a cookie. And then they say, please. And they say, thank you. And then they eat the cookie and they go to bed without a problem, right? That's exactly how it happens. No. Okay. Eve took the fruit and she ate it and she gave it uh, to Adam as well. And in this moment, sin enters the world. And in this moment, we are now separated from God because of the sin in this world. Because not really because they just disobeyed this rule, but because they chose they didn't want to be like God anymore. That they chose not to, to follow who God was. Because God could have said anything. He could have said, Adam, hey, uh, you know, don't use that word whenever you stub your toe. Like, that's not a good word, okay? Um, or he could have said, Eve, quit riding the lions like horses. That's not what I designed them to do. You're messing up this creation that I made. He could have said anything, but he didn't. He chose this rule. And Eve chose to be born into the image of sin rather than into the image of God in this moment. Because when it comes to sin, sin is not just simply going against what God says. It's choosing to go against who God is. And so lying, for instance, lying isn't just a sin because God says not to do it. 
Lying is a sin because God is truth. And when we choose to lie, we're choosing to say, I have a better way, God. Your way's not for me. I'm going to do my own thing. And we separate, we distance ourselves from God. And when Adam and Eve chose to pursue sin rather than God, in this moment, all these things that were true about us no longer were true about us. That we didn't want to be perfect. We chose to be imperfect. That sin and death and pain and suffering entered this world, that we got old, that we had blemishes, that we were now imperfect, that we were no longer truth, we were now dishonest, that if we could get further faster by lying or cheating or stealing, then it makes sense to do that, right? That we were no longer gracious, that we became entitled that grace is the unmerited favor of God, that there's nothing we can do to deserve it. But now because of sin, we feel as if we deserve that and more because of who we are, that we became corrupt, that justice was now more about what you feel than what is actually true, that everybody became their own judge, that we became corrupted because of sin, and finally, we became fearful we became fearful that this unconditional love of God, that no matter what you do, God is going to love you. We became fearful that that no longer exists. And even now, when we try to wrap our brains around the unconditional love of God, it does not make sense to us. And it's all because Adam and Eve, they chose to sin. It's all because they chose not only to go against what God said, but who God is. And because of that, guys, all of our lives now look like this. Like you have to understand because of this, everybody's life now looks like this separation. That every woman, every man, every child, every baby that is born, every person that exists is now born into separation from God that this gap now exists for each and every one of us. And there's nothing we can do to get back on our own. And we live our lives with the possibility that we will die our deaths separated from God. That there is a real possibility that you could die eternally separated from God. And we call that hell. That hell is nothing more, nothing less than eternal separation from God. And guys, there is nothing that we can do to stop it. And we have to understand this, that when it comes to our sin, and this is the line I want you to remember, it's written on the back of your card as well, that our sin separates us from God and it leaves us hopeless. That it separates us from God and leaves us hopeless, that we sit on that side of the gap. And we can try as hard as we possibly want to try to cross this chasm, but it won't work because our sin separates us from God and it leaves us hopeless. Guys, this is the bad news. And some of you may be thinking, then why are we talking about it? Because I thought this series is called the gospel. I thought we're supposed to talk uh, about the good news. And I would say this, that when it comes to the gospel, we will never share the good news until we fully understand the bad news. Let me say that again. We will never, that's a big word, share the good news until we fully understand the bad news. And my guess is that at this point, you're like, that's a cool drawing, Josiah. 
We get it. Like, I could probably draw that for somebody, you know. That's awesome. We have like a little God-sized hole in our heart, and you're trying to help us fill it. That's, that's cute. And if that's you this morning, you don't get it. Because this reality should break your heart. This reality should break your heart. That our sin separates us from God and leaves us hopeless. That this gap that exists is not just a drawing. Not just a cute little thing that you can shove in your tool belt for a future conversation. Guys, this gap is real and exists. it exists in every single one of our lives. And there's no way to cross it on our own. And that gap, it represents the effect of sin in our lives and the sin in this world. And that gap is very real. And when you look at it, I don't know what you see. Because that gap, it holds a lot of things. That gap holds the shame that you feel on a daily basis. It holds the lies that you have told other people and the lies that were told to you. It holds anger and frustration and rage. And not the kind that you feel, but the kind that you regret. The kind that makes you raise your voice against your family. The kind that sends your fist through drywall. It holds your lust. It holds every dirty, secret, nasty thought that you've ever thought. It holds your secrets. It holds your deception that makes you hide rather than try and heal. And guys, there's more. Because it holds your divorce papers, the broken marriages, the day that your dad left and said he wanted nothing more to do with you. It holds the names that they called you, the ones that you believed, the time that you spent trying to change your appearance, the food that you left on the plate, it holds the time that you caught him cheating. It holds your addiction, your weakness, the stuff that holds you captive day after day. It holds your broken relationships, that night that, you never, that never should have happened. It holds every one of your regrets. Guys, it's the reason that we may not all have a wedding, but we're all going to have a funeral. It's the reason we have foster homes and hospitals that are constantly overflowing. This gap is responsible for natural disasters that ravage cities, a need for prisons, broken families, lost marriages, broken hearts. In this gap, we see depression that literally kills. We see the anxiety that cripples you on a day-to-day -day basis and suicide that spreads throughout our youth. Guys, this gap holds pain. It's the reason for cancer and is responsible for all the suffering you have ever experienced. You see, God, he, guys, God designed everything to be perfect. And we were with God. We had it all. But we chose to sin. And that sin now separates us from God and leaves us with no other choice. And we are hopeless. And sin is the culprit. Sin is the problem. And when you look at this gap and when you look at your life, I do not know what you see. But when I look at that gap and I look at my life, I see my junior year of high school. I see my friend Kit's face. I see the day where a teacher came in and told me that my friend Kit, my, my teammate, my brother, was no longer with us. That he had died the night before. When I look at that gap, I see the locker room where I yelled at God for hours. I see the tears that I cried. I see the faces of the rest of my teammates who didn't have a dad to go home to. When I look at that gap, I see a trip to Kit's house to talk with his parents, to talk with his little sister who was the one who found him that morning. Because when I look at that gap, I see the fact 
that kid's house was a Buddhist shrine. Because when I look at that gap, I see the fact that one of my friends, one of my teammates died, separated from God. Because when I look at that gap, I see the guilt that I carried around for years to come. When I look at that gap, I see the missed opportunities to share the good news with a friend of mine. Guys, even when he asked me about it. And I've thought a lot about why I didn't share the gospel with that boy. And it all comes down to this, that I did not fully understand the bad news. Because we will never share the good news. We will never share the good news until we fully understand the bad news. And guys, there are too many people in here, too many people out there that are literally dying, trying to find their own way to God. And the hardest thing about this, the saddest thing about this to me, is we have the answer, that we have the good news. Because sure, there is definitely bad news out there. There is definitely bad news out there, but that's what makes the good news so good. That's what makes the gospel so good. Because God, he created everything to be perfect. And we were with God, but we lost it all because of our sin. Because we chose not only to go against what God said, but who God is. And in that moment, our sin separates us from God and leaves us hopeless. And guys, I hate to end the sermon like this because I know good news exists. But I want you to feel the weight of this bad news. I want you to feel the weight of this gap that exists in each and every one of our lives. I want you to feel that hopelessness because the truth is our sin separates us from God and at this point in the story, it leaves us hopeless. Just searching for, just waiting for, something to cling to, something to give us hope so that we can get back to God, so that we can get back to the only person, the only one who's going to be able to help us with this. Guys, there's good news out there. But at this point in the story, our sin, it separates us from God. But the good news is it wouldn't last. And if you want to hear about that, then I'm going to have to ask that you come back next week. I'm going to have to ask that you come to the rest of this series. Because the truth is, there's, there's good news out there, but this is the bad news. And so I'd ask that you come back as we continue in this series. We call the gospel. Let's pray. God, we're sorry. God, we had it all. You created us to be perfect, to be truth, to be grace, to be just, to be loving. And we threw it all away because we thought we had a better plan for our lives. And Lord, we're sorry. Because now there is a separation that exists between us and you, and we are hopeless to cross that on our own. And God, I hope we feel the weight of that that every bad thing that exists in this world, that everything that you did not design to be here is a result of the sin in our lives that we choose, God. And we're sorry. 
But God, we know there's good news out there. And so I pray we cling to the hope that there is something better out there. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to go ahead and transition into a time of response. And uh, basically what we want this to be is just a thin space between you and God. Just a thin space between you and God. And you have to know it's killing me to end the sermon like this and not tell you the good news. Um, but the truth is there's good news. And some of you guys know that. And so all around the room, we have these tables with crosses that are laid on their side. And what we would ask is that you take the opportunity to go to these tables and that you recognize the bad news, that you recognize what exists in that gap in your life, but you recognize what it is that Jesus has done for you through that. And you remember that. For others of you, you don't know Jesus. And you just need to sit in your seat and you need to have a conversation with God that this might be the first time that anybody has exposed this reality to you in your life. And this needs to be a thin space between you and God where you can have a real heart-to-heart -heart conversation. Because guys, this is the bad news. But if you want to know what the good news is, I'd be happy to talk to you about that after this. For others of you, there's things in your life that are just too big for you to handle right now. Some of them exist in this gap. And if that's you, we want to partner with you. We want to fight for you. And so in the back, you're going to find people uh, to pray with you. But you're also going to find on these tables uh, a card that you can write on that you can share your prayer requests with us. And we would love to pray for you and fight this battle with you. But also at these tables, you're going to find buckets. And these buckets are just a chance for us to grow in generosity, grow in gratitude, because this is the, the bad news and there is good news out there and we have an opportunity to be grateful for that through generosity. So if you came prepared to give this morning, you can go ahead and do, those, do that at the tables. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna respond. God, we love you and we're grateful for you. God, I pray that this would be a thin space where we, need, we can respond however we need to. God, that we wouldn't hold back, that we would have courage. God, that you would do a healthy level of conviction in each and everybody's heart in this room. God, I pray that we would not walk out of this building the same person that we came in. God, if this is the first time that this reality has been exposed to somebody in this room, God, I pray that you give them an opportunity, give them the courage to talk to somebody about it. God, whatever we need to do to respond, I pray that we do it. Let us not waste this moment. God, we love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.